Hello and welcome to Sex, Psychics and Psychedelics, Discovering Inner Liberation. My name is Banana Jane Garnett. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, a lover of freedom and a relentless explorer of the mind. Please come join me on my journey in hot pursuit of inner illumination and liberation. For more about me, you can find me at the Banana Jane on Instagram. Now let's dive in. Today, I'm talking with psychic Jesse Morgan about seeing dead people, working with joy guides, and what the world might look like after COVID. Jesse is a trusted spiritual advisor and psychic who lives in Louisville, Kentucky. I've been talking with Jesse for the last three years on and off, and I can honestly say I've treasured our conversations. Initially, I came at Jesse with a lot of what I would call analytical British suspicion about the nature of psychics. Were they con men? Was the whole thing true? Could I trust it? And uh, Jesse has listened to my doubts patiently, always reminding me that it's my choice what I believe. It's my choice what I take away. Psychics can only read into the energies at the moment, and then it's up to us to run with it. What I can honestly say is that Jesse is one of the kindest people I have ever met. So please sit back, enjoy, and as Jesse likes to say himself, you'll know it's true if you feel it's true. In LA, all the little towns are like Beverly Hills and uh, Malibu and all of that. It's like are there little signs that say as you're traveling down the street, leaving Malibu? Entering- oh my God! I wish there were. I think that I think there are little signs, but they're not as kind as that. You you might get a sign that says Beverly Hills or Malibu or whatever, but it's not like that lovely thing of you know the small American town where you're like, welcome to Poughkeepsie or whatever. <laughs> I, I always find it fascinating that you're in uh, Kentucky, in Kentucky, and in Louisville, which miraculously I've visited before so I'm like you just to find someone like you in Louisville Kentucky it just feels wonderfully kind of um well it's just not my image of it you know I didn't think of it as a place of of uh healing and uh magic to me it was a very old school world that I encountered there and that is true There is an enormous amount of darkness and concrete ideas. And yet I know that oftentimes the divine says, where do I need to put the light so the darkness will be shed? And my best story about that is one of my friend's mothers, who is 87 years old, was very anti-gay, very, very anti-gay. Typical Kentuckian. And yet here is this individual that she's known for 50 years who is very kind and loving Mm. and gentle and nothing of what her stereotypes were. And, you know, it's been amazing to watch her transformation into a very loving person. Mm. That's beautiful. That's That's what it takes. What I find is a lot of individuals, I mean, I used to ask my students all the time, how many people in prison have you sat down to have a meal with? How many people of color have you invited into your home that are different from you? How many 
times have you invited someone that English is not their first language? How many times have you had someone from the projects into your house? So they have these stereotypical things. And yet when they begin to be introduced to those, in what they perceive a safe environment, it begins to shift because they see them as humans. They don't see them as stereotypical ideas. And that really is incredibly powerful. And I feel like that's what, why the divine places us certain times, certain places to help us so that we can shift consciousness. Jesse, I want to get a bit oriented because I know you as this magical psychic and beautiful man who I've been on phone calls with over the years. And this is the first time I've really seen you face to face. And although I feel like I know you on a soul level, I I know so little about your life. And I would love to hear a little bit more. I'd like to start with, because I know that you haven't only been a psychic. I know you've had other, other careers or other parts to your career. So I'd like to hear about that. And then maybe we can hone in a bit more on on your path as a psychic? You know, I've been doing this formally since the mid-80s. I picked up my first deck of tarot cards in 1975. And The year I was born. Okay, make me look old. No, I'm not. I was just thinking, wow, that's a lot of tarot. That's a lot of tarot. But it's interesting in the fact that it still is an act of faith for me to read for someone. Mm. And I tell my learners that if you don't have that moment of uncertainty where I have to have faith to trust and it doesn't live for you anymore and you're not channeling pure heart, soul energy. So I just want to make sure I understand this. So for you, every time you do a reading, does it feel a bit like jumping off a cliff? It does. Each time, yeah. Is the fear in that for you? Um. Fear is not the word that I would use. It goes back more to that, can I clear myself enough so the divine can use me as a clear channel? Mm. Mm -hmm. And that's my prayer. Every morning when I'm showering, I, I use that as a moment of prayer for myself, simply because you're doing the mechanics of, cleansing your body, I also want to purge and cleanse my spirit. And one of the ways I do that is soulful prayer. And one of my segments of my prayer is that I am a clear channel for everyone that I touch today. And may they each receive exactly what they need from the divine. Mm. So yes, it is a leap of faith. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. So my original intention when I was in high school is I love to teach. And my original intention was to go to school to become a chemistry and physics teacher and go back and teach at the high school level. Now, in 1971, I had a teacher who shared with me, she said, I feel like you either need to take your talents and become a physician or a pharmacist. And so when I was in college taking a lot of chemistry and physics, I looked at the practical aspect of it. And for me to get a master's to go back and teach would take five years 
for me to get a pharmacy degree and practice pharmacy would take five years. And the salary difference was about 11,000 versus 19,000. So I thought, well, for the time and energy, let's just go to pharmacy school. So that's mm-hmm. what I did. I was a practicing pharmacist for 41 years. I practiced in a lot of major different settings. I was in Eastern Kentucky, which I absolutely loved. You know, I set out with intention to explore all the ways that pharmacy can be practiced. And that's what I did. In addition to that, in the 80s, I went through a metaphysical um, seminary. I actually have, I'm a spiritualist ordained minister, and I use my teaching abilities to teach classes and do stuff like that. And that has been a parallel career path that I've been doing since the late 80s. So just to clarify, you're an ordained minister, but you, is it a spiritual ordain? I mean, how do you... It, it's a spiritualist minister. It's a spiritualist minister. Okay. Correct. So meaning you advise people on their spiritual life in questions? Spiritual life in question. I do weddings. I do funerals. I mm. do counseling. Um, I have counseling clients from five years of age to 95 years of age. Beautiful. I might have to send my daughters to you if you wouldn't mind. You know, it's really intriguing that I did a session with a lady's seven-year-old the other day, and I always make sure that the children feel safe. So Mm -hmm. I will leave either the door open and the parents sitting outside so the child has some privacy, or sometimes the parents sit in here. And the lady was fascinated because that seven-year-old for an hour was totally and completely engaged. And really, she said, I've never seen her sit still that long. Mm, Yeah. But it is children feel the energy because the energy that's emanating from the spiritual perspective is love. Love of total acceptance, no judgment, no expectations just to create whatever path forward that you need to create. Yes, love and acceptance. It's a blessing no matter where you come from. Correct. Yes. Gosh, I'd like to ask you more about medicine, but I think there are so many conversations we could have, but I want to hone in on the psychic gift that you have, I suppose, discovered in yourself. Can you tell me about that process of discovering that you were a psychic? Well, it's interesting because I've always been incredibly intuitive. I remember as a three-year-old, I was lying on my bed and I had my hands over my eyes and my mother came into my bedroom and she said, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm looking at the people behind my eyes. It wasn't later until I realized I was seeing spiritual people and dead people. But the the joy that I celebrate my parents with is they did not shut that down. So many individuals and children are born intuitively. But when parents begin to shut them down and say, no, you're not seeing that or you don't know that, 
then they begin to turn it off. That never happened. In fact, the interesting thing is because I grew up with that, I remember as a child, we used to, the, my siblings and I would play a game where we would say, now let's make aunt so-and-so call us. And within a minute, she'd be on the phone. Or we would know who was on the phone. When the phone would ring, we'll tell our mother, you know, Aunt Lucy's on the phone. And then when my mom would pick it up, it would be Aunt Lucy. It wasn't until I got to university um, that I didn't realize everyone didn't have this ability in practice. So one of my friends was having difficulty in a class. And I'm like, just look at the professor and the answer will come to you. And then you just write it down. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm like, you can't read people's minds. He's like, no, but if it's natural for you and it's not anything that anyone has pointed out, it's just unexpected. I mean, you just, you think everyone has it. I actually, part of the reason I went to seminary was to learn how to close all those doors off because it is incredibly overwhelming to walk into any space and you feel everyone's physical pain, everyone's emotions, everyone's thoughts, and then all their spirit people as well. Oh my God. I mean, I I can imagine a fraction of that because I'm a sensitive, empathic person and have a little bit of psychic, which I think everyone has a little bit of psychic, but nothing to that degree. And And it makes me wonder... How do you shut it off? Do people come? Are you lying in your bed and you get visited by dead people? How does it work? There are always lots and lots of dead people in my life. But like focus and perception, what you do is you only focus on what you want to see. I have Mm. one cardinal rule, and that is they are not allowed to touch me simply because it's annoying if you're lying in bed and spirits are touching. The second rule that I have is, you know, I may see seven, eight people a day and Mm -hmm. all of their spirit people will enter my space before their person gets here. But the rule is they're not allowed to talk to me until their person is sitting across from me. I see. Okay. Uh, I want to address both parts of that. First of all, what do you mean they're not allowed to touch you? When I first began to work earnestly with a teacher, and it was interesting the way I found that teacher, what would happen is the spirits would come and visit me, all kinds of spirits, and they would touch me. And for me, that was alarming is you feel someone's touch and you look there and you can see a spirit, but you can't see a physical body. Oh, God, that sounds scary. It was at first until I got used to it. And, you know, a lot of people that undergo psychic attack, when thoughts are congealing or around them, that may be what their energy, you know, they're feeling is I'm having bad dreams. So Mm. that may be a psychic attack or I, I mean, I remember doing an exorcism uh, a young man called me over to because the spirit had pushed him down those stairs oh. to the basement. And so I'm like, that's not allowed. They're not allowed to touch you. So uh, we went over and did an exorcism and got rid of the spirit. If somebody feels like they're under psychic attack, what would you recommend? You know, it's 
interesting. There are immutable laws in the universe. And one of them is when you're undergoing psychic attack, all you have to do is call upon the divine within you and create at the center of your heart a golden orb and expand that golden orb out until it pushes all that energy out beyond the place that you're living. And then nothing can come in within that because you have invoked Mm. the power of the divine and you have commanded it to leave. I think that's a really good suggestion. Um, It brings up something I've noticed in my practice, which is that because I do EMDR as well as kind of talk therapy and EMDR works with images and visualizations. Um, But what I've learned and also through um, psychedelic exploration is that people, they're not always visual in their visualizations. So for some people, it might be hard to imagine a ball of light, but maybe they can feel it or something. Well, the other thing that they can do, they can also say, I cast you out in the name of the divine. You are not permitted here. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I usually, see, yeah. if they're not visual, they are auditory. Right. They may be auditory or maybe they're sensory and they can just cook up a feeling of warmth or something like that in themselves. That's right. Maybe strong enough to push it out. Okay, so I want to go back to this idea of of the spirits coming in with each person. So... Right now, can we see if we can do a live a live demo of this? Are the people that you're seeing around me or you could tap into? Um, or spirits? It or? appears as if on this side of your uh, beingness, on the... On this side. On the right side of you, there is a male energy that's coming forward that is standing there, probably grandfather on your mother's side that really has a a message for you. And the message is about love and being grateful that you have explored things in your life that he wanted to explore. Oh, wow. And what you're doing right now, the emotional response is always an affirmative sign that the spirit is there because that's your soul inside that is saying, I recognize and honor this. And one of the things I teach my students whenever they're receiving an intuitive or spiritual message is you should feel it inside your heart. If you're not feeling it inside your heart, and it's not for you. I'm not saying the medium or the psychic is not gifted. What I'm saying yeah. is they're not able to tap into you. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, there are some individuals, I've had some individuals who have said, you know, I just don't feel like that you were good for me. And I'm like, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. It's always a fit. But I just want to comment on uh, what you just said, because I'm, I'm very moved by that. And I'm really glad that we did that, because actually, I've been I've been really wanting to connect with this man who's my um, my mother's father, who was actually assassinated when she was five. He was a, a governor of 
Sarawak. It was then called Sarawak. It's now Malaysia. And um, he was he was stabbed to death and it was a violent loss. And he was a sort of long lost hero. And recently I've been thinking I would there were a lot of sort of tragic losses of males in my family line on both sides. And I've been really wanting to connect with my grandfathers. And I've been thinking it would be so wonderful to to feel him because I've never really felt him and to feel his presence. And that's just so lovely. (laughs) You have felt his presence now. Yeah, that's wonderful. Wow. Gosh, Jesse, that's really quite an experience. All right. So we're getting a sense of your specific gift. So I think more like, how do you work with guides? Well, it's interesting because when I first, you know, all humans have seven guides that when you go to the Lord, the Lords of Karma to choose incarnation, these spirits agree to work with you. And then when I met mine, I mean, when I, I was growing up, you know, I could see a little child that was with me. And most people have can see little children when they're uh, a child. And that's their joy guide that's working with them. Mm-hmm. When I actually did the formal process of meeting every one of them, what I did is I asked them to sit in semicircle in front of me. I would go in meditation and I said, I want a physical sign. I want to feel your energy. I want to hear your voice in my mind. And I want you to give me direct. And so my joy guide, it feels like spider webs on the right side of my face. So I know she's there. I hear her voice. And But now it's so effortless for me that I really don't. It's almost like talking to your a relative or a family member. You know their voice. You know their energy. And I tell mine, I give them requests about a thousand a day from the most mundane to the most esoteric. For example, the mundane is if I'm driving to the grocery and I only have Uh, An hour, I'm like, I want all the lights to be green. I want you to take me exactly to the place in the store. I need to get everything on my list. I want the shortest checkout line. And I want to be back home within the hour and all that. Uh, For the esoteric, I may say, um, I want to visit the galactic libraries. I'm looking in particular how construction models in Lemuria were used and how that can be translated in current hologram of the planet in order for sustainable communities to be created. Oh, beautiful. Uh, Well, you know, when you get that download, please do share. (laughs) And we'll do that together. I love that range of requests and, and, how I guess it comes back to trust in a way to me that that you trust that you're coming from a good place and you're allowed to ask for exactly what you want because what you want is is just a good thing and it's going to serve other people. So I think that's really beautiful and it brings me to creativity, one of my my favorite topics. I think why I'm so attracted to talking to psychics is because it feels like it engages the creative process when a psychic tells you things you'd never, you know, dreamed of or imagined, it kind of switches on lights and makes you think of new possibilities. And the whole process becomes more filled with possibility and magic. And 
What is that? Is that just the power of the imagination getting switched on? Or tell me about that. It's actually multiple energies. It, it creates sacred geometric patterns that the person may not have been aware of before or were inactive. It activates right brain, left brain, and heart to work harmoniously together. It opens up the mind and the beingness to potentials that aren't sensory in nature, but beyond that. You know, humans, for the most part, function in the visible spectrum of light, but in universal creation, there are far more energies on both ends of the spectrum. It's like I told someone when I first learned to meditate, and I meditated as a little kid, but when I formally learned to meditate, that opened my worlds uh, and my vision upward, outward, and inward. Mm. And it is that inward exploration that is so profound. Most individuals say, I'm bored, I'm bored. I'm like, how can you be bored? There are universes within you just explore. Yes. And I I totally agree as a, as a deep seeker myself, but I also f- have observed from, certainly from my clients, that it can be really scary to go inside. It is scary. It's scary until you know that it's, it's all just a big playground. One of the things that I tell people most of the time is I spend an enormous amount of time in play. Yeah, that's where the creativity is, isn't it? Correct. Because you're engaging with possibility. You're not engaging as we sort of often do in a kind of default way as adults with the impossible, the stuff that doesn't work. It was just yesterday I had a rather revelatory thought about how it's fine to make mistakes, which I think is something I've been terrified of my whole life. And I've been really trying so hard not to make mistakes. And I've made a ton of mistakes. No, it is what makes us human and forgiveness around us being okay with trying again. Yeah. You know, and I always point out to individuals that Edison took hundreds of times to finally figure out the light bulb and you expect to get it in one try, it's okay. You have a hundred tries. You have a thousand tries. One of the things I love about the universe and divine energy is it gives you infinite attempts. Yeah, that's a really beautiful idea and something important to remember. Now, I'm just going to get into a bit of a heavy why and, and because I think it's got to be asked. I mean, what about COVID? What Did you see it coming? How do you understand it? Give me some insight. One of the things um, that I saw in 2019, early 2019, I was telling my students is that there is an energy coming that is going to take many souls off the planet. And I think all of us can agree that COVID has taken a lot of souls off the planet. Yeah. I said, but one of the positive aspects of it, it will really orient individuals about the priorities in their life and what's important and what's not important. It's allowed people to focus on home and families again, where they would have been Now, one of the things that I observe regularly is so many people are distracted. Mm. They're distracted in the pursuit of 
whatever they're pursuing rather than simply being in the moment and enjoying being in that moment. What this has done is it really has allowed us to pull back and be in the moment worldwide. And suddenly, the second thing that I feel like is really crucial is we are one planet. You know, artificial boundaries and borders are not immune. No country's immune from this. And it shows that we're in all of this, all of us together. It's not, well, these people are going to get it and these people are not going to get it. The reality of it is this doesn't discriminate in any way, shape, form or fashion. Uh, and so that's one of the things that I feel like it's teaching us is that together, empowered, we are far stronger than in our individual little fragmented community. Yes, well said. I, I completely agree with that. And I look forward to the, the day that that understanding is integrated. Uh, thank you so much, Jesse. Thank you for your time today and for sharing your teachings with us. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. I was left wondering about Jesse and his work. How can such a pure being still exist on this messed up planet? How can adults maintain such a fresh vision? I think of the Picasso quote, it takes a lifetime to become young. But I also wonder, are some people just like that? The therapist in me was struck by Jesse's childhood and his parents' unusual level of acceptance around his psychic gifts. Jesse had gotten to live in his superpower, staying in the why not of life instead of the why. It seems that just as life itself produces hope, hopefulness also produces more life in us. Genuine excitement is an energy akin to rocket fuel. What I've noticed is that in following life's shoulds, our bliss can get buried. But when we reconnect with what we truly love, we plug back into the imagination, back into potential, and back into the liberating power of the question, why not? <laughs>